everybody welcome back to afros and convos hey y'all hey all right <clears throat> as always like and subscribe to the podcast follow us on social media at afros and convos on ig email us at afros and convos at gmail.com check out the website at afros and convos.com how's everybody doing i'm doing good it's a little chilly but i'm doing all right yeah i, w- I was doing all right till i watched this movie oh <laughs> speak okay, this up here we go what a segue all right so as we said it is black history month we are doing black topics all month this week we watched judas and the black messiah and we are going to talk about it um our feelings our thoughts all of that and camille is going to be leading the episode so camille take it away I'm so excited about this because I'm just so interested to hear y'all's perspectives because we differ so much in how we think and perceive things. Um, But just for those, uh, spoiler alert, we are going to spoil it for you. If you have not watched Judas and the Black Messiah yet, pause, put us on pause, go watch it, come back and listen because it's going to be good. So before we get into the conversation, I just wanted to give you guys a quick background on Judas and the Black Messiah. So it came out this year. Um, it was star- starring Daniel Kaluuya, who played Fred Hampton in his portrayal, um, in his betrayal of Fred Hampton, who was the chairman of the Black the Black Panther Party, the Illinois chapter, in the late 1960s in Chicago. And it also uh, tells us about William O'Neill, who was played by Lakeith Stanton, who was an FBI informant. So this is a general introduction, but as we talk more, you guys will learn more about it. Okay, so I'm excited to know. My first question I want to ask is, what did you guys think of the film? Um, <laughs> I wish y'all could see their faces, especially Dreas. <laughs> no, I thought the I thought the film was really good. Uh, coming into it fresh, not knowing anything about Fred Hampton or the story. Um, I, I thought it was really good, but I didn't realize that it was Ryan Coogler. I think if mm-hmm. I had realized that, I would have been like, okay, yeah, this is going to be a great movie. Um, but I didn't realize that until the little intro credits were going. But overall, I, I really liked it. I think it was very heavy. I wept once it ended, but, you know, I thought it was good. Okay, Drea thought it was good, okay? Yeah, I thought it was really good as well. Um, I I didn't know it was Ryan Coogler either. No, I knew before watching it. I didn't know before we said we were going to watch it. Mm-hmm. So I didn't, because I think that would have also been like, oh, we should definitely watch it when we said that we were going to um, watch it and talk about it. But before I watched it, I did find out about Ryan Coogler being involved. Um, which is also, it's an interesting backstory to how the story even like got to be able to be portrayed on film or whatever, but that's a whole nother story. But, um, yeah, generally overall, I thought it was really well done. It was, you know, biopic with a little bit of, you know, spice a little bit, you know what I mean? Like it wasn't (laughs) the, the stereotypical biopic. So I, I really enjoyed it. 
Okay. I also enjoyed the movie. I kind of almost loved the movie, um, which yeah. I know I like black movies. So, you know, things that make me cry, I, I don't know, I enjoy them. But one of the things that I enjoyed most about this movie, because it seems like um, quite a few movies usually kind of cater to white people. And mm. it's like, it kind of like informs them of how to, how to act around black people. And mm-hmm. this movie was just all black. Like it was like, this is the real deal. There's no catering. This is the story. Mm-hmm. So I really, really enjoyed it. So I want to backtrack because I realized I um, didn't ask you guys this. And Andrea, you kind of alluded to it in your answer. But were you guys familiar with Fred Hampton and uh, William O'Neill prior to watching the movie? I was not, as I said before, I wasn't, um, I came into it completely fresh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and I, I was familiar with, um, what happened and, um, I was familiar with the informant and all of that. Like, yeah, I knew, I knew the storyline. Um, yeah, I also knew the storyline, but I realized in watching the movie, there were a lot of details that I didn't know. Even even though some of them were, uh, there were some embellishments, but there were like details that were, you know, highlighted during this movie for me. So, all right. So all of us like the film. What part of the film would you say stood out most to you? I I don't. Okay, I can I can go. I don't know that this is the part that stood out the most, but I want to say what was what I felt like was really well done was okay Lakeith's acting and mm-hmm. just because I think I think one thing he he played a very complex character and maybe this is what stood out to me the most because I feel like it was kind of hard to get a read on him like mm-hmm. did was he enjoying it because at first he it seemed like he had some Oh, this is kind of fun. Like I'm, 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 you know, I'm feeding information. I'm like an informant or whatever. Then it seemed like he was falling in love with it. Then it's with the Panthers. Then it seemed like when he was feeding information, now he's tormented because he loves Fred Hampton. He loves the Panthers. He loves what they stand for. But also like. I'm being forced to do this because now you're going to like when he was having conversations with the FBI guy, his handler or whatever, it's like, if you don't do this and I'm going to rat you out and tell them that you are a rat and then they're going to kill you. So then that became his motivation. But then even still, sometimes even after that interaction, he's having these like nervous laughters with, he would pick up information or go give the information or like do an assignment that he was given from the FBI. And it's like, I'm not sure if that laughter is like, I got away. If it's like, you know what I mean? It's just a, he was a complicated character and I couldn't really get a read on it. And I think you're not, I think the way they did it, I don't know if I was supposed to get a read on it. I don't know if you are supposed to know whether or not he was tormented or enjoying it or, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know. I really thought that that was really well done. Yeah, I agree with you, Cookie. Like, because usually he plays very strange characters. So I was interested to see him in this role because it's because this is a very nuanced role. And I agree. You could not pinpoint where mm-hmm. it was. And I believe it was intentional, especially in watching the end credits at the end. Because mm-hmm. he was just like, hold on. What? What? So, yeah, I agree with you. Dre, you thought of your answer yet? 
Yeah. Um. Again, coming in fresh, not knowing anything. Hands down, what was most shocking to me was the end. I mean, clearly, Judas and the Black Messiah. Like, I knew he was going to be killed. Come on. I'm not an idiot. Um, But when they just came up in there just shooting up everybody, mm-hmm. like, I mean, I, oh, I, no, I, I was shocked. I did not expect that. I did not know that. I thought it was going to at least try to be a little incognito, you know, like put forth at least a little effort to try to make it seem like it's not just an assassination of everybody that's up in here. But yeah, that was, that was definitely the most shocking part to me. Girl. Yeah. Especially when old girl was right there and she like, bop, bop, you know, you hear them good shots. And I'm like, she laid on that man. Oh, baby. (laughs) You are a real one. Man. I was like, now, can't nobody say she ain't no rider. I mean, in real life, who knows if that actually happened. But in the movie, though. Yeah, she she portrayed a rider. Okay, mine is kind of random, but it. I think if you're from where I'm from, this would probably resonate with you a little bit. But when he walked up into that uh white nationalist uh meeting and was just like, I was like, oh, oh, he, oh, we doing this, and was just bold as heck and was talking, and old boy was just like talking about that flag. I was like, oh lord, they about to go drag them out to the tree because they was outnumbered. But the the way he demanded their intention he spoke the truth and facts but still did it in a way that was respectful and draw those people to him i was amazed because then i the only way i'm walking into a situation like that is the holy spirit himself has spoken clearly to me (laughs) but i was i was amazed that that man walked into that room with them and even though because uh, and a lot of other reviews said that, that you know that only scratched the surface of what he did, mm-hmm. and you read about it, but just to see that small depiction, I was like, oh, he, oh, he this was his purpose. He believed in that thing. Oh, I was shocked. Yeah, he, had incredible, he had an incredible ability to unify people around a common enemy, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Isn't there like a quote or something about that? Like the, like my enemy's enemy is my friend or something yep. like that. The enemy of my enemy is my friend. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that was one thing that was um, ironic to me that, okay, first off, I didn't know he was 21 years old. Did y'all know he was, Cookie, did no. you know he was 21 years old when he was like, well, Of course, Cookie did. Cookie could have written his biography before. Probably, probably so. <laughs> I could not I have written not. his biography, but yes, I did know he was 21. <laughs> I did not know this man was 21. So that made me feel some, that made me feel like, I already felt some type of way, but it was heightened because this was a kid. This this was a boy, like a, a young man who's just getting the feel for life. But as Andrea just said, Fred Hampton was known for unifying all these people. He he had the white nationalists. He had uh, Puerto Ricans. He he had the specific parties that I don't remember their names, and he united them all because he highlighted the oppression that they were all facing, which made him a target for the FBI. This man is unifying all these people 
and bringing them together to go against this, what we saw as a coerced government. Do you guys see, or do you guys think there's any difference from what was happening then that's happening now in our society? Hmm. Um, I think, um, once stories are written about what is happening now, then we'll be able to look and see, yeah, there are stark similarities to what happened back then. I mean, the whole, that even plays into what you just highlighted about his characteristics of being able, being a unifier, being able to walk into these rooms and command attention, all of these things. That's where I, I mean, I don't know the inspiration behind the title of the film, but I'm assuming that's what it is because one COINTELPRO, which was the program in the FBI that was supposed to be on paper. They said that they were trying to stop the spread of communism in America, but real in reality, what they did was go and target black movements. Any, anything you MLK, Malcolm X, obviously the Black Panthers, anything that was a movement, the NAACP, anything that was a movement centered around Black people, civil rights, whatever, they had information on them. They had uh, rats and moles in, in infiltrated within and they took shots and targeted people. So they, they are on paper saying they wanted to prevent the rise up of a Black Messiah. That is in their documents that they need to figure out a way to prevent that from happening. Fred Hampton's ability to walk into rooms and unite people. He he essentially, I mean, we talked about how he's 21. He lives such a short life. So, and within that short life, he's able to make all of these connections. If that man continued to live, who knows what, what this country would look like. You know what I mean? Cause like, that was powerful. So that's why they had to knock him out, quote unquote, from their perspective, because if you allow this man to rise up, like communism is going to come in and infiltrate. And then we're going to have all these mulatto babies and all of this stuff. If you allow these people to keep coming in and changing the status quo. And so that's what they were targeting. So, yeah, I mean, and, and then if you look at what's going on today, now, I ain't going to say because I don't know, I don't have the evidence, but there are a lot of Black activists within the Black Lives Matter movement, within small um, city chapters who have been killed. And, uh, you know, a lot of a lot of them are super young. They're in their early 20s as well. And a lot of the circumstances surrounding their deaths have been you know suspicious so you know i don't know who knows i don't know i i think we can be able we are eventually going to look back and see very similar things once papers get declassified or FOIA requests and all this stuff and we see what actually happens but as of right now who knows and i think to a certain degree maybe not specific assassinations but to a certain degree we can see it now even as far as how the Black Panther Party was villainized and made out to be these Mm -hmm. terrorists and how that propaganda being put forth molded um, the country's 
opinion of them or view of them and it completely crafted how history mainstream history has written about them and has portrayed them we can absolutely see that happening today like with the black lives matters movement it's like i mean look when you look at what is being said about them in the media when you look at what is being said about the protests like even though an overwhelming majority of them are peaceful that's not what people are writing about that's not what people are talking about that's not what so if that's not what people are writing about or talking about, that's not going to be what history remember, mainstream history remembers, right? So we can definitely see, even just from the media manipulation of situations, that that is definitely a constant thread of something that is still happening today. Yeah, I agree, Dre. I echo what you said, because I think of like... Uh... Lecrae wrote this song and he, he talks about how, you know, y'all call the Black Panther terrorists. But what my mama told me was they fed them eggs and grits and how they were at those. They were at the kitchen getting those free, free plates because they needed them. And I think about Black Lives Matter movement pre-George Floyd to post-George Floyd. So do I think that the, the media is still portraying them as negative? Absolutely. Hands down. Every every time there's a riot, it's every time there's a protest, it's a riot and people burning up stuff it has to be black lives matter but i have seen other people's perspective change even though the media hasn't necessarily captivated that because you know we we saw more diverse crowds after george floyd and we're like more people saying that oh man okay i what what you're saying is true black mm-hmm. lives do matter there is a need to say that now we we do still have a Significant amount of the country who feels differently, but I did see some people's perspective change, even though the media didn't captivate that. But I mean, okay, I think yes, some people's perspective changed on a very indiv- individual basis, right? Yes, like agreed. Individuals may have had their eyes opened to some degree. However, I am very interested to see what that looks like next time around. When maybe mm-hmm. it's not a pandemic and people aren't at home board and mm-hmm. how are people going to respond then? Like, are the same people that were out marching in June g- going to be marching the next time? I can't say I think that they will be. <laughs> I mean, maybe that's just, I don't know, me being jaded over the 30 plus years of my life <laughs> that has brought me to that conclusion. But I mean... As much as I hate to say it, for a vast majority of the people whose quote unquote eyes were opened last summer, I mean, I kind of think that that was the that was the cool thing to do to a certain degree. Like that was the okay, yeah, this is what we're talking about. Yeah, I'm against that. What do you mean? Of course, I don't. You know, I think racism is bad. Yeah, that's what we're talking about. Yeah, but. When it really comes down to who is really going to fight the fight over the long haul, I think it will be a very small percentage of those people who we saw with their quote unquote eyes open last summer. Just saying. Yeah, I am interested to see because, you know, I was still, I was still skeptical about, you know, some of the marches, but, you know, we'll see what happens. Okay, y'all, my next question. So Cookie alluded to what um, Bill O'Neill or William O'Neill, what his position was. You know, he was he was about to go to jail because he was stealing cars. 
So he made a deal with the FBI. If you guys were in his position, what would you have done? Would you have made the same choice that he made? Or do you think um, you know? First, I have I have a preliminary question. Okay. <laughs> surprise, surprise. Andrea has an extra question. <laughs> so when someone, okay, it's common for the police to catch somebody committing a crime, flip them, make them become an informant. Mm-hmm. When that happens, is it like you're an informant for a designated period of time or you're an informant that's given a specific task or have you now just become a slave to the police or the FBI or whoever? Because that's absolutely how it was portrayed in the movie. And I was just like, is it is that how it really happens? Is that legal? Do they? Well, they don't probably care about legality, but I mean... <laughs> Do, do either of y'all know at all? From my understanding, it is generally you have an assignment to do and it is generally limited. But I think in this situation, because they perceive this on the FBI's end as a war, right? Like, that's how they were characterizing what they were doing. They were fighting a war against the Black Panthers that maybe that's why it was this ongoing thing. And each time, yes, you're giving me information. Yes, the information moved it forward, but we asked you to help bring down the Panthers. And that's not something that you can do off of this piece of information that you gave me. The first round is not enough to bring down the Panthers. So you're going to have to keep, getting involved, getting close to Fred, doing this, doing that, whatever, to bring them down. So I think his assignment was a little bit uh, longer term just because of what he was told to do. But, and uh, you know, generally speaking, no, it's not this ongoing years long type of thing. Because, yeah, they had him for a very long time. So the basis is that, like, if they can make your assignment general or broad enough, then, I mean, you could be on the hook for years. Depending on what they need you to do or what their end goal is. I mean, yeah. And, like, legally speaking, like you said, they probably don't care about legality, whatever. But practically speaking, even, they had him because... And and there's nothing that he can do to walk away from it because like they said, okay, you walk away, you know what I'm saying? Like he, once he chose to snitch, he had no choice, but to keep going because the minute that you tell us you're not going to work for us no more, you either going, well, you, you are going to go to jail if they don't kill you first. And then once you do go to jail, they probably got people in jail like the Panthers probably have people in jail because they were harassed by the police too. And they going to kill you in jail. So he, I mean, it's an impossible situation. He had, he had to keep going. So it's not even like I can, I gave you what you asked me for. So now what you want, like, no, he had to keep going. Otherwise he's going to die. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So back to Camille's original question. <laughs> would, would I, what choice would I have made? I Honestly, I probably would have done it, especially coming in how he was, especially if I was in the position that he was in, meaning coming in with the mindset that he had. When the man asked him, how did you feel when Dr. King died? Or how did you 
killed feel when Malcolm X died and he was just like, well, I ain't even really thought about it. If you coming into the situation that like oblivious or neutral, you have absolutely no loyalty <laughs> whatsoever to what is happening, <laughs> what other people are doing. So, I mean, these, this is just another group of people that you probably either know nothing about or don't really know good things about. So you have no sense of loyalty to them. So is it me go where, and, and at the time he had no idea that it would be as long as it was. Mm-hmm. So am I willing to go hang out with these people and bring you a few secrets? Sure. If I'm going to void, how many years was it? He was facing five, five. five? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I probably, I probably would have done it. And I think it's also because, I mean, there's been obviously <laughs> um, people watching and seeing what's going on. They're like, just snitching, nigga. Da, 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 da. Like, it's like this huge uproar <laughs> over this man. But, like, I think it is important to keep in context also how old he was. He was 19, 20 years old. Like, yeah, also a baby. He was, he was 17. 17. Mm-hmm, when he was recruited. Oh yeah, sure. When he was, rec- yeah, because I think when he died, he was in his. Tw- he was like, yes, around uh, Fred Hampton's age when he died. So yeah, that would have made him, yeah about seventeen, eighteen years old. Like what? Know he knows nothing. He's a child. He's. I, I mean, what do you expect him to do? You have the the force of a bat. That's what he even said when he was talking about how when he got caught um, impersonating the police, and it was like, why do you do this? Because when I show a badge, that carries more weight than a gun. Like the you got the whole like, if I show up with a gun, it's like okay, I got a gun. But if I show up with a badge, I got the whole army behind me. That's what these niggas think. You know what I'm saying? Like you are presenting him with exactly the whole reason why he carries a badge to go hijack cars. He, you have this whole slew of police firepower, all this shit, and you are telling him you either do this or you go to. And I feel like yes uh he heard the term like because even people like man five years he would have been out blah blah blah, whatever and that might be true but in the moment he's probably i can't say that if i just heard the fbi telling me that i'm gonna serve five years that that's all i think i'm gonna get like if they are pressuring me to do something like i would probably think i'm gonna have five years i'm gonna be tortured when i get in because i didn't agree to work with all of this you know what i mean like all of this stuff that is on you as a 17 year old that you are faced with a, a an impossible decision like what and like drea said also if you're not even in the movement like why do you care you don't care you don't care and when you think about what there was an episode that we did quite a while ago about um that show on netflix 13 reasons why Mm-hmm. And how they were talking about the psychology of teenagers mm-hmm. and how because their brains are not fully developed, when you are a teenager, you you don't you literally do not have the perspective to be able to understand temporary situations. You yep. do not have your brain is not developed enough for you to understand that what is happening right now is not forever which is why Mm -hmm. teenagers are more likely to commit suicide or make drastic decisions that affect the rest of their life because they don't, that part of their brain is not developed for them to be able to assess those things. So at 17 years old, five years to him looks like the rest of his life. Like 
So, I mean, how you can, they could turn a 17 year old into an informant, like an underage person. Why not? I mean, like, do they not need parental consent or something? He wasn't even. Certainly they do. But they, he, and he's a nigga. They don't care. They don't care. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, that's what, what, what rights we sit up here trying to talk. We try to get the right to, to just be and drink from the same waterfowl. You want them to have the right to have a parental <laughs> consent signature on a piece of paper? Girl, bye. <laughs> Yeah, 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 they didn't care. But yeah, just I, I I didn't realize he was that young. That I mean, almost took me out again. But I had to try to hold it together for this little podcast. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so I mean, he probably honestly had no wherewithal to be able to make a decision yeah. of that magnitude. Yeah, yeah, I probably I probably would have been like. Huh. Sure, I'll inform you on whatever you need. You said five years? Okay, cool. But I, I would have struggled though. And I saw we saw his struggle. Cause like mm-hmm. when they had that little scene where uh old boy was in there spying on him and he was Oh at know, the church fit, or, uh-huh, yeah. at the church fist up and he was just like, Oh, it looks like you're really into this. And, you know, if I would have not known who you were, I would have pretty sure you're a part of that. And you could see his internal struggle because there are moments where I felt like he was trying to do more. Out of guilt and yeah. out of like obligation, mm-hmm. trying to you know like even the playing field. Okay, I'm slick. The reason y'all got blew up, but hey, I, my daddy used to be a carpenter. I can help build these walls. <laughs> I have a question though. I have um the one part of the movie that was very confusing to me. Um, sorry, I don't okay. know if this is your next question, but when two reasons this was confusing to me when the police was camped out outside because somebody had killed the police officer what happened oh yeah jimmy was it jimmy mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that shot them people at the deli or whatever mm-hmm. so then the police was camped outside the headquarters why in the world did they open the window and start pointing guns at them i was very confused what how, how did that situation escalate to that level did i miss something you talking about the panthers who were inside why they opened the window yeah. like they were outside harassing them mm-hmm. with the little the little megaphone or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then they just opened the window and started pointing guns at them. I was like, did I, let me rewind. Did I miss something? <laughs> How did this escalate so quickly? I feel like part of that, I, and you know, the, the Panthers were very bold and in your face, but I don't think they were stupid. And mm-hmm. I think that was stupid. And I don't know if that, that might've been a little creative license. You know what I'm okay. saying? But cause I just can't imagine that they would do that. Especially. I, I don't know. Cause that's like a easy, unless they, they felt like the officer didn't know how many people was in there. But if you got two people in a window, like and all of your firepower isn't being showed, then I, I don't know. I don't, I think that was just creative license. I don't know what they did there. I can't imagine that that happened in real life because I don't think they were stupid. Yeah, I, I think from the movie perspective, I don't think this happened in real life either. But I, I think grief took over. I think these cops took their friend that was in the hospital and killed him. And I think that was fresh. But I, I, was there not something that triggered it? Did somebody shoot somebody first or something? 
Or they was just like open the windows and was like pop, pop, pop. I thought it was No, they opened the window and they point the gun. Mm-hmm. They didn't start shooting until the police shot at uh-huh. Neil on the roof because they That's thought he was. was a sniper. Yeah. So That's I was right. like, oh, okay, I see the strategy that y'all did not actually fire until you were fired upon, but you absolutely escalated the situation by opening up the window and pointing guns at them. <laughs> like, I mean, mm-hmm. that was an escalation. My second thing was how in the world did he get away with not getting arrested when everybody else did and nobody was suspicious of him. I mean, if, if we all here, we all shooting at the police and I done got shot and arrested and he done got shot and arrested and you ain't nowhere to be found. Would that not be raising a red flag to anybody? Where did he, what? But but he, said he was so quote unquote going on the roof to, to, uh, cause he would have a, a better angle on the roof. Right. But really, but when he, he got down, down from the roof, roof when he got down from the roof, where did he... Didn't he sneak off, though? Yeah, yeah he, he went out the back door. door and took his head off, pretended like he wasn't one of them, and walked off. Yeah, so I think that's probably why, because he ended up being able to... Because even old girl... Like, the, they were all in there, right? And then they all took off and kind of tried to blend into the crowd. So maybe that's what they assumed he was doing. I don't know. Because okay. I, I thought that the other arrested. people left to take Deborah to safety because mm-hmm. she was pregnant. Mm-hmm. Everybody else was staying to take up arms and shoot, which left three people. Mm-hmm. Homeboy that got shot, old girl, and then Bill, who said he was going to go secure the roof. Now, of the three people who was left to shoot, two of them got either shot or beat up and arrested, and Bill is the only one that got away. Maybe Completely that yeah. Been touched. Yeah. Nobody asked a single question. Because I was like, oh, he, oh, he done. Oh, he done. This is it. It's a wrap. He's going to get found out. No. I ain't yeah. even asked no questions. Yeah, I don't know. That's a, I yeah. Know. That is a good question. Because in my mind, I was like, oh, yeah, there's plenty of folks in there. Maybe that was a, it went astray because of artistic license. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. But speaking of Deborah, um, there was one scene where she was, um, where old boy, <clears throat> sorry, Fred was reading her journal and she wrote, um, what did she write? Hold on. Oh, if she would, if she struggled in question if she would be a good mother because the environment she was bringing her child into was a war zone. I don't remember that exact quote. I think I have it here somewhere. She said, Are you a bad motherfucker or a bad mother? That's the quote. So my question to you ladies is, do you think that made her a good or bad mother? <sighs> I don't know, child. I, 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 I struggle, not from the perspective of motherhood necessarily, but I struggled watching her story unfold. I did too. Um, just, and not even just that line, but another line she said in that same poem of, will our child be the apple of his eye or constantly get the compromise? And it was just like, what, I mean, you fall in love with this man because you're passionate about what he's passionate about, your values align. But then when you become pregnant, it's like suddenly what you deem to be a priority changes, but his does not. Mm -hmm. And how the struggle of that and it's just like well you fell in love with him and wanted to be with him because he was so passionate about this thing but now this thing is the very thing that 
is potentially the downfall of everything. The fact that you hear him say he's willing to lay down his life for this cause before that was incredible. But now you're pregnant and it's just like, man, that means that I will be left alone. So it's just like the balance of that. And honestly, in watching it, it 100% made me think about Barack Obama and Michelle Obama and her ending up <laughs> raising them kids by herself because mm-hmm. he was living in <laughs> while she was living in Chicago and she couldn't even go to the gym and he out here living his best life. But it's just like, it was clear that this is what he was passionate about when y'all were dating, when y'all got together, when y'all got married and now mm-hmm. you had these kids and you left raising them by yourself. I don't, I just think, oh, that... I don't know. Like her story just resonated so deeply with me because that burden usually falls on the woman. The woman is the one who was left torn between valuing the family and standing up for what they believe in while the man, on the other hand, is just free to be fully passionate and fully 100% engaged in the cause that he is willing to, you know, risk it all for. And I don't have an answer. I don't know what the balance is in that because you want a man that's passionate, but at the same time, you want to be a priority. So, but then are you asking him to compromise? I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Her storyline was so heavy. Yeah. And and I don't think there is an answer. Like I no, I don't. I mean, if she felt like she was going to be a bad mother, then that is valid. Her feelings are valid. Right. Mm -hmm. But also like you I don't know it's that's a very difficult and complex situation because obviously you did not plan to be a mother like that's not something that was like okay I'm falling in love with this dude and even even past falling in love with this dude now we in love and we're gonna have a child together because that's this is the right time to have a child like you didn't choose that so it's like I don't know like but even if she had chosen it five, 10 years down the line, if he lived that long, do you think it would have been any different then? No, I don't. But what I'm saying is, I, and even in that moment, well, in that moment, if they had legitimately had a conversation and he was like, I'm ready to have a child, I don't think that would have been a conversation. So I don't think even if she got pregnant five, 10 years down the line, that he would have been like, yep, now is the time. If he was still, you know what I'm saying? Like if he, if it was a I don't think that's true because I think that men are fully ready to have children because they are not expecting to have the same burden or level of responsibility that the woman is. Barack was getting off, getting out of the the congressional sessions, driving all the way to Chicago to impregnate his wife. Now, surely he knew he (laughs) wasn't going to take care of them kids living in Springfield. But I think... I think what Barack wanted and what Fred wanted are two different things. Barack, because he's trying to be a politician, needs a family. Fred didn't need no family because family and judging politicians on their family life and if they have kids and all that, that is a very big, you can count on one hand the number of presidents that got elected without family. You can count on, you know what I'm saying? Like you, you, what they, what them two wanted was very different. Fred, I don't think, would have had a conversation with her year, five years, 10 years down the line. 
he might have said, okay, if she was pressuring him and she wanted a child and she's like, let's have a conversation. I want to have kids. We want to settle down, da, 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 or I want to settle down. I want to have kids with you. I think he would have had that same conversation with her talking about when I committed myself and I said I was going to give my life for the people, I said I was going to give my life to, for the people. I think he would have had that same conversation then. What, what Barack and Fred are, are two different things. And I mean, okay, I can agree that Barack had uh, the potential for political gain from the children that mm-hmm. were had mm-hmm. in a way that Fred would not. But also, I mean, and this could have 100% been creative license. Fred over there talking about kid two, three, four, and five. And he wasn't talking about later on when things settled down. I mean, That's true, but he was also 21. And I'm saying at the age I, of 30, I don't think he, if, if they hadn't had kids and they had waited and made plans to have family or whatever, I think he still would have been having the same conversation. I, I mean, I, that's not to say, that's not to say that he would not have moved forward to have kids. Right. I'm not saying that he wouldn't have had kids, but I think it would have been a very real conversation of like, you need to prepare yourself because I said that I was willing to give my life and I am willing to give my life. I think it would. And I think that is a different conversation to have on the front end than on the back end after she's pregnant. I think that I just completely disagree because I think that that happens literally every single day on varying levels with men of power having children with women who are forced to make sacrifices in order to raise these children because the man is not. And I don't think that there's necessarily malicious intent in that, but I do think that men are raised to have this mindset that children are the woman's responsibility. Mm -hmm. So a man coming to the point of, yes, I think now's a great time to have kids has a completely different level of mental requirements than it does for a woman. I'm not because I'm, they're not expecting to have the same level of responsibility. So right. I think that he could have realistically had a conversation and said, "Yeah, now would be a great time to have a child," because he's not thinking that he's going to have but the I, same. Birth but I'm not. Birth. I'm not disagreeing on that level. What I'm disagreeing on is Fred knew he was going to die, and he had that conversation several times. He knew he was going to die. So I think that it's a difference between I am ambitious and I'm going to go out here and get all make all of these hit all these goals and whatever. And I might not be here and you, yes, it's time to have kids. I ain't going to be here. And I'm not even going to have that conversation with you. Cause I'm a power, whatever. Cause I, as a man, I've been raised to think this, this, I think that is different from knowing what I am charged with and knowing what I am charged with is going to lead to my death. I think those are two different things. And I think Fred knew he was going to die. And he had that conversation multiple times to say that he was going to die. That's what I'm saying. And that's why I think that conversation would have been different. Or that he would have had the same conversation that he had with her had she planned to have kids with him. I wonder if Martin and Coretta had that conversation. They might have. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Um, well, I guess I guess I'll answer. Um, since you guys, you know, that's your <laughs> positions. <very. laughs> I I thought about it, and I I also thought about MLK. I thought about Barack and uh, Michelle. I thought about um, I thought about all the leaders who have been assassinated. Well, the black leaders specifically who have been assassinated or killed for the cause. I wondered if their wives regretted the choice that they made because I think there's a I I think I don't I don't think Coretta knew that she that 
MLK was going to get assassinated the way he did, but I, I think she had a gist that he was going to die. She knew. The same for Malcolm X's wife. They, I think they all knew that they were signing up for their husband to die. But... I mean, but, well, okay. But what, what, Dre? I mean, when you say signing up... I don't know that they were signing up for that, but they knew they were in it. Yeah, I can't... No. That's like saying Melania Trump knew she was going to be first lady. I don't think that's true. <laughs> yeah. Okay, signing up is extreme. up in the White House. Okay, yeah, there we go. Signing up is extreme, but I think they, they came with the knowledge of it. Yeah. And with that, they made a choice. And so I think of like Bernice King, and I um, that's the only King child that really be out here talking on. Um, but I think about Bernice King, and I think about the impact of her father's legacy on her. Now, I don't know if Coretta was just like, you know, MLK, you know, Bay, I know you're about to die, but our kids don't know. <laughs> oh, that doesn't think she said, Bay. 100%, I don't think the conversation went like that. <laughs> this this the validio version, okay? Okay. <laughs> I, I know you, you know, I know there's a chance that you're going to die, but I, because, oh, man, I think she was great. That's a whole other story. But I want my kids to know that you died for a reason, that you died for a cause, that you died for their lives to be better. So I, I, I and I, I don't have a kid yet, and I'm not a mother, so I don't, you know, that mothering aspect, that's why I was, you know, waiting on Cookie, because she, you know, she has the most knowledge in that. But I don't think, I understand her struggle, but I don't think her choice was wrong. Yeah, I, I mean... Well, I don't think she made the choice to get pregnant. Well, like, she didn't make like the a, choice at all. But you know, oops. if she <laughs> that was an oops, but she didn't make a choice to not get pregnant. But she didn't choose to get pregnant. Like, I mean, she wasn't looking to get pregnant, but yes. she did what you do to get. Pregnant. <laughs> so, to a certain degree, she made some level of choice. I mean, I'm just saying. She, I, I, I know every every encounter don't result in pregnancy, but. I mean, if you choose to lay that's, down, that's the risk you understand that that is a risk. Yes, I, mean, I agree I'm, with that. But I don't I, know her birth control situation. They ain't talk about that in the movie. <laughs> I'm just saying. They didn't talk about that. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, yes, I agree. I don't, I, like I said, I don't think that there is a right or wrong answer. If she felt like she was going to be a bad mother for bringing a child into that situation, her feelings are valid. If she felt like by me bringing my child into this situation, I am also going to raise a legacy that's going to further this journey. That feeling is valid. Like whatever she felt is motherhood is hard. So like she ain't right or wrong. Like girl, you feel what you feel. You felt what you felt then. You feel what you feel now. Cause Fred Jr. I think he's like the chairman now currently. So like, um, yeah, girl. I mean, you know, she, she did the thing. She did a thing. Shout out to her. She did. She did. Okay. Well you got, well, we all have alluded to this, but at the, um, there was one point in the movie where um, the Black Panther members were trying to get Fred out because they know he was about to get got. They were trying to send him to Algeria. You know, they were like, come on, you got to go. We got to get you out of here. Here's the funds. And he was like, no. Use that money to build a hospital. Like, I know the path that I've chosen and I'm, I'm willing to die for the people. What do you guys think about his choice? 
I mean, it was noble, but TBH, the way it was portrayed in the movie, it was kind of irrelevant because he was going to die that night anyway. Yeah. So I mean, even if he had been like, give me the money, let's go, like he was still going to die. But, yeah, because he had to go to bed. <laughs> unless he was going to walk out the door that very minute and go like catch a bus or something, then it was pretty irrelevant. But um, I mean, I think that it just further goes to show how much he was willing to sacrifice for the cause that he believed in. And I think that, I mean, that's that's noble. Yeah. I, I don't know. It's 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 one of those things where again, I don't think there's a right or wrong choice. The one thing that I really like it it, it bugs me about the, and it's not it's nobody's fault, right? But when you when you concentrate so much of a movement and a movement is defined by a person, person. Mm-hmm. once that person is gone, it fractures. I think the Black Panther Party in, almost said in California, the one in Chicago, the chapter in Chicago that he headed, like it dissolved within like five years of him dying. Because he was so integral to it. And so, like, I think that that's, especially when you are in a role like that, like, it is important for you to recognize that you cannot be the sole voice. Because if you out, and that even even uh, Bill O'Neill, Will, William, when he went to the FBI or whatever, after they murdered him, he was like, they said something about, you know, so where does the party stand now? And he's like, what, what the hell you mean? Like, Fred did. It's over. Like, it's over. So, I mean, that's one of the things. And even, I think, I don't know. I don't know. If he left, I, it could have been a similar situation. But I think a death in him dying and him choosing to stay makes it even more tragic and makes people even more like, I, man, like, I don't even know what we're doing no more. Like, Fred's not here. But if he was gone, like, maybe he could have called and had more influence and they could have kept going and he could have led direction and whatever, whatever. But Probably not, because it, it was he was so integral to it. So I don't think it really mattered what if he chose to go. If he, cho- I mean, he would have lived maybe, but like you know, in terms of like the movement and furthering the movement, I don't think him choosing to leave or choosing to stay would have made much of a difference in terms of what actually happened with the Black Panthers in Chicago. That'll preach, because it's not just about the gifting that you have and what you know you are supposed to do, but if you do not invest in in raising up someone to come after you or invest in the people around you in a way that equips them to move on without you, then Mm -hmm. you're not really doing what it is that you're supposed to be doing, because all of our lives are finite here on earth. And so Mm -hmm. you are not putting things in place to allow things to continue without you, then, I mean, you're not really making the impact that you could or should be making. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm seeing what Cash App offering. (laughs) So, you guys, Judah Messiah was an awesome movie. Any, Any final thoughts to wrap up? Anything you want to leave the people with? I, I okay. I have one criticism of the movie. I think, okay. and, and the criticism goes to something that Dre and I have talked about offline. We talked about a podcast before that we listened to. K 
can't remember which one, but you basically were like, I just want you to present me the facts and I want to make a determination on who's the villain and who's not and who's right and who's wrong and blah, 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 blah. This film, I think it's already, well, sure. I think a lot of people might not have known what actually happened, but being somebody who knew what happened and maybe the video, the movie wasn't totally made for me, but seeing that I knew what happened, I feel like they did way too much demonization of the FBI. Like it was overdone. You know what I mean? Like we know that they have, that they organized behind and, and, one thing that I was, they complicated the the Panthers, right? They made it to where they're, you see, and they over overstated like three, four, five times that they do school lunches for the babies, that they feed the babies, that they do this for the babies. They do this. For, they said that like five, six times. But then in addition to that, you got Fred talking about killing one pig, you get a little satisfaction. Kill more pigs, you get both satisfaction. Kill all the pigs, and you get all the satisfaction. You know what I'm saying? So you you have the double-sided coin of we do for the community, but we also kill for the community. You know what I'm saying? Like, you have that complex of the Panthers. I wanted a little bit more of that with the FBI. I didn't want to just... I want to be... I want to be feel complicated and complex on what I'm thinking mm. and that goes back to like when I talked about before when on another podcast when we was talking about another episode when we was talking about like shows that were great The Wire is great at that there are no 100% bad guys there are no 100% good guys and they made the FBI 100% bad there's no there's no redeeming characteristics about them at all and quite frankly, whatever they did to make them redeeming, I probably would have still hated them. But at least give me something. Don't make it so easy. You know what I mean? Like, don't, because the story is not that easy. This story is very complex and it's not that easy of just black and white, good guy, bad guy. It's not. If you made the Panthers complex, you should make the other side a little bit more complex than just like these evil people. You know what I'm saying? That's my one criticism. And that's the part that I actually liked. Oh wow! Yeah. But no, I'll give you that because I think in real life is complex. Yes. People don't walk around as either like white or black or mm-hmm. like good or bad. Like there's no sign over your head that says what side you're <laughs> right. on. Like it doesn't really work like that. So I think that yeah, I probably would have appreciated uh, a bit more complexity and being able to you know come to the conclusion myself of what side I wanted to follow. Yeah. And my one oh go ahead. My one criticism is very petty, but it is what it is. So Martin Sheen as J. Edgar Hoover. <laughs> like if you're gonna take Martin Sheen and you're gonna put prosthetics on his face. Oh, they were so make- bad. <laughs> Edgar Hoover. Like he looked like J. Edgar Hoover with a facelift. Yeah. He did not actually yeah. like J. Edgar Hoover. Like this is so bad. Aside from that, the casting was pretty good. Yeah. Uh-huh. But that I was like, come on now. <laughs> like, no. It, that was so bad. It was really, really bad. It was really bad. <laughs> and so that that is definitely one aspect that I would say absolutely could have been done better. I mean, I think Martin Sheen did a good job. I just don't think aesthetically they made him look like J. Edgar Hoover. You can't make him someone who is so well-known and easily recognizable and then do it poorly. That's yeah. No. Okay. 
I rather would I would have rather them just slapped a little bit of powder on him and uh-huh. put him up there and let him go. Like <laughs> we you get to go out of your way to do prosthetics, like actually make him look like the guy. Yeah. Yeah. It was really bad. I agree. I well, all right. I don't have anything to add. You guys definitely if you have not seen um Judas and the Black Messiah, definitely check it out. Let us know your likes and dislikes. Do you agree or disagree with some of our thoughts? Let us know on our Instagram. We'll see y'all next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.